Okay. So let's let's talk about what the what the whispers of Tar Heel Nation are talking about because it sounds like Pete is getting testy. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's it's not good times for folks. Um, you take what's going on in the world and stuff, and how a lot of pe- people find take solace and stuff like sports, and then the sports let you down too, and it just gets you in bad moods at times. People start having bad thoughts. I feel and, and like this on is things. this is a very spoiled fan base. It, <laughs> oh, it could be, it, it, that, it could very well be that. And so, like I said, we for not only for specific sports, just Carolina as a athletics program has been at the uh, has been a prowess for decades um, and are finally seeing what some schools have always experienced um, and such. That's my thing is like when's when's the last time that a, a school with a proud tradition, athletics tradition. Uh, Virginia Tech, last time they won a national championship in anything. Thank you for deposits. Never happened. <laughs> like, there are so many schools that have never won a national championship on the NCAA level ever. We are fine. We just got one in field hockey. <laughs> and it was a disappointment when we didn't win, a, when we didn't literally win the entire tournament. Mm-hmm. Like, it, Welcome to being a fan of literally any other team in the country. It, well, that, that still doesn't make it any better that you're that you've been on the top and you're slowly coming down, and it seems to all come down at once rather than slowly programs on their own timelines. It it's, it just feels like there's points where it is all crashing down at once, and so that doesn't make it feel better for people that like to that follow all the different programs. Well, for these people, like I'm. Let's talk about basketball first, and then we can move on to football. Since this feels like it's going to because everything starts basketball for for a lot of folks. It starts in basketball, and then they project on the other sports. And to be completely honest, I did not like pay a bunch of attention to the Kentucky game. Uh, me and Mav were out with friends, so we, we were, were socializing. Like, yeah, we were socializing. Uh, we were um, uh, touching grass, as the youth say. We <laughs> we were. <laughs> We were out and about, and perhaps some of these people on a, on a certain message board should do the same. Uh, but <laughs> Mav told me towards the end of the game, because he was looking at what some of the people were saying, that uh, to analogize, this, this guy was falling a bit. And what I said to Mav is, Hubert Davis just coached his 11th game as a head coach. <laughs> Let's let's settle down for a little bit. I'm honestly fine just riding the roller coaster of this year and then like evaluating after. I it's it's been 11 games. At this point, my thing is let's see how we respond against who we play next, App State and Virginia Tech later. So what do we constitute as a successful season? Because it's like I think the whole like national championship championship thing is like I don't want to say it's out the window because you know anything's possible, but like no, I no, unfair. not every not everything's possible. When's the last time uh, there was an actual surprise for a national champion? Is it UConn in twenty eleven? Probably, yeah. <laughs> it's been ten years. We're not no, we're not winning a national championship. I'm sorry to break that to everybody, but please go on. 
So then what do we constitute as a successful season for Hubert Davis in his first season? Is it competitive for the ACC? Is it making it out of this first, is it making it out of the first weekend of the tournament? Is it making the tournament? Like what are we going to constitute as a successful season for Hubert Davis? Can I go first? Yeah, of course. Uh, Let's make it to Saturday for the ACC tournament. Um, it would be great if we could get that double by. I think this team is capable of it, especially because the ACC is booty right now, real bad. Um, I think that we are the consensus second best team in the ACC, which is yikes. Uh, but <laughs> and then you know that should get us into the tournament, win a game. You know, if we get to the second weekend, awesome. But I'm not expecting to. Uh, so yeah, make it to Saturday in the tournament and um, and win a game in the big tournament. That's a success for me, honestly. To, to me, it just like I, I I totally remember times like even the national championship year we have that the the embarrassing loss to Georgia Tech, and it's that, that quote unquote wake up game, um, things like that. After we got a roll, uh, won the ACC regular season championship, won a national title. Um, that you can get down on, but it was a sort of thing where it might have been embarrassing, but I was like, "That this is still a team that can win a national championship. We have the pieces to do it, and we have perfect motivation to go out there and do it with the redemption arc and everything." Now it's just a little bit more uh, frustrating and you know hard to rationalize about that we're 11 games in and we're already having this kind of like almost a a, a resignation like conversation of what's what's a successful season whereas we always expected national championship final four like stuff um and then if we ever got disappointed but it was always thing we always knew it was a good team or stuff like that but especially it's just been these last three or four years where like i said we're hitting this stage and we're already like we're resigning with let's be competitive in the acc let's maybe get out of the first weekend it's like i said it's just a a pretty big change in expectations and some folks just aren't accepting those change of expectations well at all but it's not like for those people we have not gone like a drought between national championships it's been four years <laughs> it's been four years since we won a national I, well, championship and i don't think it's i don't think it's necessarily the fact that it's been four years it's, it's what has happened in those four years what happened between 2009 and 2017 we had Dope. several teams that were Final Four worthy. That we had players that were very successful in the NBA. Still, yes, there were problems here and there, but there was still rise and stuff. And so this is, I would think, one of the more extended lulls. And so yes, even and between oh nine seventeen, that, that, like I said, we had it, it was only three years between oh nine and twelve, and twelve was a near Final Four team. Um, it did it dropped down to 12, 13, 13, 14, jumped back up. So like I said. There has since the the Matt Doherty era, there's not been an extended period of three or more seasons of suboptimal expectations in play. Uh, okay, but also 2019, we yeah, were like said, even, but see, other teams, it was a sort of thing like, yes, we didn't think every single team from 09 to 17 were national championship teams, but they were still good enough teams you thought they could. And yeah, but there were like, also there was the struggles. NIT year that happened, and I'm sure people thought the sky was falling then too. I think people are very prisoner of the moment when it comes to these things, and I get that it's scary. 
he's a new coach. Don't know much about how he likes to coach and how things are going. So it's going. And also, it has been a very long time since Carolina had to deal with that. So I, I don't know. I think this should be an empathy moment for Carolina <laughs> instead of a, at least to me, seems like whining. That's me. So I feel like some of the football contempt has bled into the basketball season where it's like, here's these national expectations and then you fail to meet it on, not even just yeah. fail to meet them, but like re- disappointing, like to a level of like, well, you weren't even close. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this team we knew was going to have its struggles, but you always knew that there was enough talent on the team to be competitive in every game. And it's frustrating to see games like Tennessee games, like Kentucky, which are the two games that frankly, I feel like everyone's, I don't think anyone points to Purdue and goes, well, yeah, that was a bad loss, but they, you could all where we've now gotten two burn the tape games in 11 games. And it's like, and I tweeted this out. I was like, you can't have two burn the tape games in 11 games. <laughs> like at some, like at some point that starts to become like a, a glaring issue. Um, and I don't know whether it's effort. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that we're getting out talented. I think the recruiting will be fine. I think that we'll have the talent. Like we have four and five stars on the floor. I don't think that that's the case. We have leadership. We have veterans. I, is it effort? Is it energy? Is it just get not being able to respond again, slapped in the mouth? Like, I don't know what it is, but I can see, I understand why people are frustrated with this team, but I still think this is a good team, you know? Yeah. And like I said, I'm not ready just to throw in the tap quite yet. There's still plenty to do, but it, it's it's it is the the level which the losses happen. Like I said, yeah, what we played decent teams and they have beat us bad, mm-hmm. um, and then we played teams that are not as good as us and made it some semi competitive games. Like I said, people get frustrated that we've talked about this before. Sure, there there's plenty of frustrations with football. People got really amped up to expectations. However. We don't necessarily have the equity in football that we do in basketball. So the fuse is so much shorter uh, for folks. We, we could suck in football, but people are like, well, we've kind of always sucked. It's not an expectation that we needed to be better than that. Basketball, we've been a top, we are a top three program of all time and have been a powerhouse for 60 plus years now. Um, and when anything less than that final, the, the, always in the final four conversation kind of a caliber team for three plus years people lose their patience far more quickly for basketball than they do the other sports i think if there were message boards between 93 and 05 there would be but i feel like there would also but again there were so many teams in that era like i said it's not necessarily that they have to win a national championship but you have the 95-96 team with Antoine Jamison, Rashid Wallace, Jamon Williams, and such. You have all these teams. They might not have won national championships, but you're like, this is a really good team. They're, te- they're probably going to the final four, whether they do or don't. It's the, it's not necessarily what's happening on the court, but you feel inside, like, I trust this team at any given point. It's just what's going to happen on, on a given night. Yeah, Whereas- but I, I hear you, and it's been four years since the national championship. Two years ago, we thought we could have won with Kobe and Cam and Nas and that team. Like, I, I feel like that wasn't like a 
Pipe, I feel like we could have won with that team. So we aren't that, we really are not that far removed from really, really high quality basketball. I think we've had some tough breaks with injuries and people leaving before we thought that they would leave. So we have a little bit of a lack of com- continuity that wasn't go- that wasn't expected. And then when Roy left, now we're in a bit of a transition period. I just think we need to have, just take a little time. If it let let's let some of these these players develop, and we'll see what happens in a couple of years. Are they going to develop? Because they're they're. I mean, we've had we, people like RJ and Caleb have developed, but it's not consistent enough. So they're sophomores. So when we win national championships, we have senior leadership. But that's not the way of college basketball anymore. Unless you, I mean, if you're the ones that win, the one that win natties, that is the way that they're still winning. They're winning with juniors and seniors. But we're we're trying to we're trying to our best to put the foot in both. We're wanting to be in the one and done world and keep the the tradition, and it's not working. We're getting the worst of both worlds, and so it's 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 not a fun time. I'm I'm not going to act like it's a fun time or or things like that. but again, it, I, I did mention that it's, it's the extended stuff, but I think it's more the drop the, the drop, in, or how steeply the level of play has dropped. Yes, 2019, that was easily a team that could have went to the Final Four. We had a lot of talent then, but then we lost that talent, and it was just the steep drop-off in talent for the years prior. So we went from Final Four team to not making the tournament. It'd be, it, it, I think people would have felt much better if it was still that sweet 16 second weekend kind of a team. But it, and then it's stayed there. It hasn't really gone back up much since then. And I think if you take out 19, you have, we get our butts whooped by Texas AM. Um, and it's these demoralizing losses. It's not, we put in a valiant effort and we, it, it's just not enough. It's getting demoralized by teams that, that really, makes it hurt like i said losing by darn near 30 points to kentucky losing to texas a&m by i think it was 19 um it's these big losses that make it feel worse like it's not even that you're not as good at them it's not even competitive at that point some people for me i just want to be competitive that's all that matters to me and sometimes it doesn't feel like we're even competitive it's very hard to win it's hard like this like this this isn't easy we like it's it's hard and it's going to get harder because something that we were that i heard y'all talking about when i came into this call is and i think it's true is that there's a bit of a democratization of talent and i won't even i don't even know if that's true i think that it's easier to find talent now than it was even let's say like 10 years ago just because everyone's got tape online, everyone. You can find whoever you want, and it's very easy to find, you know, a little secret bucket getter. So I, I do think that it is kind of the curve is flattening as far as like the best teams and the worst teams, especially and with this COVID year, it's only going to get worse for the next however many years that's going to be a thing. The longer we have like five year, there are going to be older teams, especially older mid-major teams um, where people aren't exactly in a rush to get to the NBA. All I will say is that I, I also see the chatter about Hubert Davis not being the right coach. All I will say to that is that we always talked about like in like situations and like what is a good job, what is not a good job, you know, 
Carolina is a great college basketball job. People were lining up for it, but were they? It is it a great job? What do you, okay, wait, wait, wait. Let's start. Let's start here. Yeah, it's, what define great job? Can I make? Can I make my point really sure, quick? Sure. Oh, the, he Hubert Davis did not inherit the greatest situation, you know. So I don't think we should judge him based off of solely, you know. Let's give let's give him the chance that he deserves and see what he does with his recruiting. Let's see what he does in three years. You know, if we can have that conversation of like, well, if it doesn't get any better, then we get after that conversation. But I think that at least for this year and next year, I'm okay with saying, you know, build the best team he can. Now, is that going to be devoid of frustration? No. You know, the, the talent, when you have a team with a guy as talented as Caleb Love, someone as talented as Dawson Garcia, you have a guy like Armando Baycott, you have really good pieces like Brady Manick and Anthony Harris and Kerwin Walton. Like I understand the frustration of why, why are we getting schlacked by anybody? And I understand that. But again, you know, we remember the last two years, remember the Cole Anthony year, remember the year, the garrison, you know, the garrison year where he was the guy, you know, like he, we didn't walk, we're coming out of a, a rough situation. And I do think it's getting better. Um, is it where we want it to be? No, but you know, um, but Colby to what you were saying. So are you insinuating that Carolina, like as a job, it doesn't have pressure. Yes. Are you saying it's not a good job? To, no, like, I, I, I'm, it's a good job as far mean, as like resources and money and like all that stuff. Yes. That's, that's good. You are going to get that as a coach of Carolina. Um, not without it's uh this fan base has some quirks that it takes some time to get to know the nuances of which is why i it's hard for me to think that bringing somebody from outside in that's going to be hard that's going to be really really difficult which kind of restricts of what you of who you can get to be here you know if that makes sense so I guess my thing is saying, like, is it a good job is for, let's say, great coach XYZ. Um, let's say it's been really good at the mid-major level and has gotten some really quality major wins under their belt. It would be a little bit, I'm not saying like someone would run for, from it, but it's not as desirable as a, let's say like a Florida State whenever that job comes up, because it will in the near future. Plus, you know. Florida weather, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. That's my, my thing about like, is it a good job? But Mav, go ahead. Yeah, my but, thing was, where did we have coaches outside of the family lining up? And I'm not convinced anymore that we did, because all signs reported that we we definitely reached out to great coach X, Y, and Z, and they all said no. Um, and I, perhaps it made it more convenient to keep it in the family for that reason. Again, I'm still I, I'm not I'm not in the crowd at all that's that saying that Hubert's not right for the job or that to fire him or that's that's absolutely asinine. Um, like I said, I think there if there, there might be some still some coaching stuff, but again, you would expect that for someone that's only coached their eleventh game. I still there, I think there could potentially be personnel stuff too that has to just get worked out with gelling with chemistry expectations. Um, I think mindsets are just different in this new one and done era with NIL getting to the league, um, like I said, I, I still see flashes of selfish kind of play or there's just not a lot of team ball that's causing issues, things like that. 
Um, but I think there were, there is definitely a sect of fans that would want, that wanted to be some national search to bring in great coach XYZ, but I'm not sure perhaps because of the pressure, the expectations, things like that they didn't, or for whatever reason, it didn't seem like we were actually attracting that many outside. So who, I know Mark Few was the name that was thrown around. And um, Nova. Jay Wright. Uh, um, uh, Jay Wright. I almost said Frank Wright. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jay Wright. Who else? That was honestly the only two I'd heard of that had mutual contact. I think Nate Oates was one that was more. Of oh, I would have hated that. <laughs> I don't like him. I really I don't, don't think that, I don't think there was any contact between the two, but that was like a fan picked one. Like, gotcha. they him. I feel like fans want him because he doesn't like Coach K. I, that dude rose me the wrong way. Um, I, I, well, so he's just, a, he, but he's he's basically what K was though. He's that he's that hot, fiery young coach, like he like K was in the eighties. He he might rub people the wrong way. His whole handshake deal after the Texas Tech win that was like funny. Stuff. <laughs> that, that fires people up and stuff and also it's it's that modern system hitting a lot of threes uh a, a floor spacing offense that it, it intrigued people at the time i wonder this is just like pure speculation i wonder if you know roy would have coached out this year and then we got um and then the job opened up after you know and this is football and football money is way different than basketball money but still going from power to power is i think today not as stigmatized as it was two months ago so i wonder if that changes with i'm not saying that gonzaga and nova are on the same level as carolina they're not but it's the same way that like you know oklahoma and usc aren't necessarily on the same level but you know so just you know thinking not really forming any definitive opinion here just wondering but what do y'all think is like the one thing, or if you could pick out one thing, perhaps I imagine it might be multiple things, but what do you think is like the one thing that's wrong with the team for basketball? So I was looking at that JG trends chart that has like uncontested threes and like how often they were hit. And I thought it was interesting that we hit a whole bunch of threes and a lot of them are contested. <laughs> so this offense is not generating a bunch of clean looks from three. And I am hoping that, you know, I keep saying it's been 11 games, it's been 11 games, but because it's been 11 games, it hasn't been a huge sample size. We've taken a whole bunch of threes, but not in a bunch of different situations, you know? So my concern is that while we are a better shooting team, I think that the shooters on this team are better than they were last year, that we are not getting enough quality looks to utilize that. I think that the ball tends to stick a little bit schematically. I feel like there's not a whole bunch of movement out, like away from the ball. Like, yeah, there are some exchanges and there are like some actions that we run that get people open, but this system is a lot more freelance than Roy's. It's a lot more of them just like going off of rules instead of going off of set plays and set motions, if that makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Hubert has mentioned that as a reason he doesn't play some players, specifically Kerwin, that he's more comfortable running set plays than he is in freelance. I wonder if this offense should be a little bit more structured than it is. Another thing with that, um, before I pass it on to David, um, that's something that I wondered about specifically with Dawson. Again, I did not watch much of this Kentucky game, but something I've noticed is that when we are in freelance, he is everywhere um, and not in a good way, <laughs> just kind of just kind of roaming. And it blows my mind because he gets 24 points. And I don't know how he's getting these points, but he's getting them. But they, like I said, they are not exactly like the best looks at the basket. Um, the process right now is bad as far as scoring. Um, but it's, it has been working out in the games that we've won, in the games where we haven't won, it's not working out. Um, so I think the process as far as getting better looks at the basket could be better, on offense at least. Defense, I need to look at it more. But David? No, I, I, you you hit the nail on the head, or at least the, the nail that I was going to hit. You know, <clears throat> you know, the ball sticking a little bit too much and then, you know, not generating open looks. I mean, we hit 1-3 against Kentucky. I think that held true. You know, and and if we're going to commit to the small ball, that just can't happen. You know, you could survive with one made three if you're running a a Roy Williams style offense where you're playing two big guys and you're rebounding 40 percent of your misses. You know, if you're if you're doing that kind of stuff, you can survive missing, you know, all your threes except one. But we're no longer running that. So, you know, when you have a five out or a a one in four out kind of thing where, you know, it kind of hinges on you hitting those outside shots and they're not dropping and we're not able to just like out muscle and blow past guys. Like Caleb was going up against guys who are just as fast and strong as him. Like he's got, he, it's not going to be as easy to blow by these guys. You know, RJ Davis was getting freaking cooked on the defensive end. Uh, You know, it, it was a mixture of not being able to figure it out on the defensive end. And then also just, you know, what is, what does every coach say? Like good defense fuels, good offense. And Kentucky was hitting everything. We were missing everything. Kentucky was getting transition buckets. Lazy. We saw the lazy passes that we've seen in the past two years that we would get so frustrated at, like just the casual passes that would get swiped um, from the guards. Just, you know, no, no sense of structure is the best way to put it. Um, It just looked like we got hit in the mouth and there was no set plan to punch back. You know, yeah, really, the biggest thing that I'm concerned about with this team is the lack of consistent intensity. Um, and I'm not sure how to get that. Uh, Coach Davis has said that he doesn't coach effort, maybe he should. <laughs> because it, it that's that seems like it, it's yeah. an issue from time to time Matt, go did, ahead did you hear his response in in the presser to that no i did they, they were sure to bring that up because after the tennessee loss he's like i'm never going to coach a team that doesn't have my personality and it's never going to have a lack of effort ever again and people are like quickly be like well it's happening again and he's like the reason why i don't coach effort because if i if effort is the problem, we can't even get anywhere close to execution if we can't even get past the step of effort um, and stuff. So that was his response to that. 
and okay then let's fix the effort <laughs> let's let's fix the effort so but we can is, get onto the scheme but is, is effort just one of those intangible things so again that comes down to recruiting you have to find people that don't need that don't require it and so again not we we've we have a, a still a, a somewhat young team but we also have some veterans now um but it's a whole thing where that has to be a recruiting focus going forward is finding people that you don't have to question the effort. And so my, I've tried to keep mine just more intangible just because it, perhaps it's something that really just can't be changed, but hopefully it can is that it just doesn't look like there's a, there's any fun being had. Even Unless the they're wins. winning, which is a problem. I, well, I would, well, I would say even when we're winning, one of my biggest criticisms uh, when we were in school um, particularly during the first two years, is that other than Bryce Johnson, our team was just stoic. Even when we were winning, would not get up, would not hype up the crowd, would not, you know, flex on everybody and stuff like that. It's important stuff. And Hubert said that like very early on in his tenure where he's like, it's okay to be emotional because it means you care and things like that. Um, and the, even when we're winning, I mean, they'll, they'll maybe dap up if they get an one or something like that. But I just remember times where Kenny Williams gets three charges on uh, on Duke and just absolutely lights up the crowd and stuff and gets and takes pride in that kind of stuff and see the the bench just goes absolutely crazy for stuff like that. I I just don't see it. And, and you it, you do notice that that like when we're playing at home, uh, the difference between the energy on our bench and, and the away team's yeah. bench. I've noticed that consistently this year. And so that's something that I, I always want. I want that Bryce Johnson kind of guy. I want that Rashid Wallace kind of guy that can get amped up because it, it's a symbiotic relationship between the players and the fans. It, they might be struggling, but if that person can at least portray that on the court, it's going to wake up the fans and they're going to do their best to get behind them and try to give them as much momentum as they can. It's um, wild because some coaches get their players to take on the personality of, of the coach. I'm thinking specifically of um, Narduzzi at Pitt football. Mm -hmm. um, Pat Narduzzi wants to fight everyone, and also that team is ready to fight anybody at all times. And I, I feel like, I mean, you're you're right, Mav. Sometimes in those early, in the, the early times we were in college, those teams did not have a bunch of energy all the time. Which, when you look at Roy Williams, he is not a stoic person. Like, when he is coaching, he is all the way on all the time. Same with Hubert. So, I, I don't know yeah. what that is that, you know, like, some some teams, some players take on the personality of their coach and some don't. Yeah. I, I don't know where that comes and, from. And again, I don't know if it's a thing of just the the personnel that we have. I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not going to put it at one person. I would, I think I would consider this a team thing. It's not something I'm going to pick out a specific person and such is it just a a product of this kind of time with the nil stuff or people focusing more on their deals that they're getting their nba aspirations um things like that that it's hard to put that focus back into the game itself and you know being with your teammates and enjoying the moments which is what made carolina basketball what it was is that and during the season it's about team you can make it about yourself in the off season when it is time to to be selfish but when it's you're playing for the front of the jersey for your team and having fun together during the moment and so it, it, that's i think that's something that i've seen missing the most 
Um, and I think it's something very important. Well, who's who's the leader on this team? Yeah, I, I would say it's Armando. It has to be. I would say Mondo. I would say that he would probably I mean, be the likely option. And then Caleb is 1A. Is he 1A? Because, like, I don't know. Because, like, so when we talk about really successful Carolina teams, at least in the Roy Williams era, um, but, like, who was the person who you went to as that calming presence on the court, the leader that if things were going terrible, who you could go to? I feel like it's typically a guard, like a Marcus Page a Kendall Marshall, you know, a Kobe White. Well, I don't, I don't even know if Kobe White counts because that boy was like Sonic the Hedgehog. But, you know, can we be successful if the, the, the leader on the team needs to be given, the like can't run the offense? I feel like we're really successful when the person who can really, really drive this team forward and the leader of this team is the one who's holding the ball, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, one of the things I was saying is like, is it because I'm not too quick to say that it's necessarily this like generation or such, because there's plenty of schools that it, it's not a problem with. Um, and they're and they're being the brakes off of us when they play us. So it's it's not for a lack of motiv- motivation for other teams. And it's, it's we should be the team that should be motivated because we're one of the best programs of all time. Um, and so, like I said, it, I think that's something that's probably what's the most frustrating. And that's what leads to all the projection is like, why is it, are people not excited to, why does it not look like it's fun to play Carolina basketball when it's one of the best programs of all time? It's like, it would be like if the Lakers showed no emotion for games, they just, they wouldn't celebrate anything or whatnot, stuff like that. How fun would the Lakers be if they didn't, if they weren't showtime? They just laid the ball up just at each other, had stoic facial expressions, didn't hype up the crowd, didn't get into it, things like that. It would be better if it was more fun. It's not super fun all the time this year. <laughs> like if they were like if they were mad as you said, like competitive in all these games. Like I don't think anybody any of us were like down after the Purdue game because No. Because they were, we were competitive. We were we were competitive. They they looked like they cared a lot. Um, which is what made the Tennessee game be a little more frustrating. So, you know, do y'all have anything? Let's move on from basketball. Um, do y'all yeah, guess, have anything to say about football? I guess we that can be probably the bright spot right now is that we had, I would say, a very successful National Signing Day. Uh, we didn't have our uh, top recruit um, flip schools. Uh, midway through the signing period and signed with a coach that played at the school he was committed to and steal him away. So at least that didn't happen. There you go. <laughs> had 17 commitments, all of them put pen to paper um, and quite literally might be the greatest signing class by numbers um, in the history of the program. Yeah. I think Max said by, um, by average rating. Yeah, this is, one of if not the best class um that's really good and david do you have anything to say about this class not in particular it's just it's uh, my caveat is going to be you know how do we use them going forward like you know right utilize we we've got the recruiting you know and i feel like that was the criticism of mac you know he can get kids in the building on the team but then when we get to like on the field 
you know, where, what's the disconnect here? Um, you know, I'm still a little bit upset at some of the coaching decisions made by this team and I'm not, you know, Falongo and, and, um, um, oh my God, I'm going to forget. Dave Dave Bateman, thank you. Are still there as of right now. And, you know, at some point the buck has to stop with Mac and it's going to be like, well, I feel like they catch a lot of flack for a lot of the things that Mac could overrule or decide, or, you know, there's just bad situational football that should be, that is coaching. Like, I feel like a lot of times we watch this team and be like, that's not the players that's coaching. Like this is a coaching problem. So how do you alleviate that concern with this class? You know, I don't think it was a talent thing because I think there was enough talent on the field for this team. How do you, can we see a tangible improvement from this year to next year is what I'm looking for is, can I point to one thing and say, wow, we really sucked at that last year, but that is so much better this year because I feel like in the last couple of years, I have not been able to point to that except maybe like some late game situation stuff. Like there are some games that we, we got into and, and we won that we probably would have lost a year ago or the two years ago, but like something tangible, like, oh, this defense has improved. The offensive line has improved. Give me something tangible to say, wow, since you've gotten here, this has gotten so much better. But shall we talk about the bowl game real quick? So it seems like, I mean, there, I'm sure we might get a couple more opt outs, but looks like most of the team is going to be playing, which is cool, excluding Sam Howell, which is going to be. Very nice. To my knowledge, the only opt-out is Kyler McMichael, who has opted for the NFL draft. Um, Jordan Tucker is also going to the draft, but I believe he's playing. Yep. So for the for the folks potentially wanting some some moves, I don't see anything happening until after the bowl game's done. Yeah. If anything does happen, I I feel like something's got to change. I don't know what it is. I feel like people would be more upset if they if there is not a single personnel change made. You think? Yeah, like I said, not to say that that's what is yeah, going to happen. Yeah, yeah. What I, should happen. I feel like people are going to look at that and be like, "You saw what happened last year, right?" And you're because again, to say to not make a move is to say that you accepted the con the the level of play, I guess, in a way, or that that was satisfactory in a way interesting i did not know that people felt that strongly hmm yeah like i said at the very least it would turn some eyes to be like really it was supposed we we started the year as a preseason ranked team and you ended up six and six potentially six and seven if we lose this bowl game and you don't think anything needs to be done to change it if we lose this game, then there's going to be some big problems that are going to have to be solved. There's no yeah. excuse for us to lose this game. Like I said, if so, that's I, I, even more so. If we lose the bowl game, something has someone, someone got to go. <laughs> someone has to go. I don't know who it is. Yeah, there, a, a change has to be made. It can't be that we are. No, I feel like I mean, because Matt, they, they are down a quarterback. Their best defensive lineman opted out. Um, so they're probably starting the grad assistant, if I'm not mistaken, because I don't know who else is in their quarterback room at this point. Um, but who knows? 
Uh, it's not like anything bad's ever gone before in a bowl game against a third-string quarterback. Yeah, never in Carolina history has that happened. Yeah. Um, I had something in mind, and it floated away. Have you already seen Spider-Man? No, I'm going in 90 minutes is our, our show starts. So you want to talk about your uh, your take really quick? <laughs> yeah, because it's correct. Um, uh, the the Andrew Garfield movies, both of them are better than the all of the Tobey Maguire movies. Yeah, I, I feel know. very comfortable saying that. Very comfortable saying that. I had yeah. not really watched the, the Andrew Garfield movies until this past week. So I watched all three Tobey Maguire movies and both Andrew Garfield movies within like a two week span. So I'm not like try- like going off in nostalgia or anything. Yeah. I just watched these movies. Mm-hmm. I very much enjoyed the Andrew Garfield movies, both of them. I did not have a good time watching the Tobey Maguire Spider Man movies. I just didn't. I didn't. I can only, I can see stuff for three just because they tried to put so much in one, particularly having three villains in the uh, in the third one. I'm in, I would say, a popular majority that says that Spider-Man 2 is, is at the bare minimum, top three, if not the greatest Spider-Man movie of all time. No. Uh, so my favorite Spider-Man Doc movie... Ock is one of my is probably my favorite villain ever in ever portrayed in any Spider-Man film. Oh, so here's my thing with the Tobey Maguire, um, the adults in the movie. All the adults are great. <laughs> like, uh, like Willem Dafoe is awesome. Um, Uncle Ben, Aunt May, awesome. Uh, um, Alfred Molina, awesome. Like, all of the adults are so I will say, good. Tobey Maguire, Toby even more Kirsten than Tom, Dennis. is like by f- the the quirkiness of of Toby is I would say at, is definitely the most cringy of them. It's but. so creepy. Is ridiculously creepy. Like, like all of his dancing that he did, particularly in two and three, was just. I weird. watched a clip. I watched a clip on three, and I haven't seen three in a while. Like when they go to the jazz club, and yep. he's like, find us some shit. I forgot that and like, Dallas Howard so was was Gwen Stacy. I totally yeah, forgot I did about too. that. I was like, is that young Bryce Dallas Howard? <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot, that, and I totally forgot that 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 was, I'm pretty sure that was like one of Elizabeth Banks' first role. She was like the receptionist mm-hmm. at, the, at the Bugle. I forgot about that too. Yeah, I and the, and I I'm watching Scrubs right now, and it's like the Elizabeth Banks storyline in Scrubs. So I was yeah. just sitting there, and I was like, I know her. That's JD's baby mama. Also, Greg's grandfather's the police chief. <laughs> My my beef with the with the Tobey Maguire movies is all about um, the writing and all about the Toby as Spider Man and Kirsten Dunst as MJ. Uh, I think they're both despicable people as characters. Like <laughs> I don't like them. I don't enjoy them. I what I do like is that Spider Man three. Um, they the um, the scientist dude is like, oh yeah, this thing will like enhance your qualities. So it's like, oh, so Toby was always an asshole. <laughs> I was like, that's that's nice that y'all retconned that in because he's a total jerk. He's the worst. I don't like him. And then I watched the Andrew Garfield movies, and I was like, oh my goodness, I like this Peter. He's so nice. He's so helpful. Like he's a little awkward. He's a little, you know, a little bit of a weirdo, but like he's fun. Now, and, before we go oh, any no. further, though. Yeah. like I said, you're going to watch. It's not like there's any reason, though, we needed to watch all. No, 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 no. Not like not. anything's happening in this movie that would anyway connect. Uh, Simply for the sake of comparison. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, yep, nothing there at all. Side yeah, note, but is there any is there any legal plays I could watch 
uh, the the Holland Spider-Man movies. I've tried to look. I, I've tried Paramount, but it, it's not. It's not on there. Okay. Hmm. All right. I guess CBS works with Sony, don't they? Not somewhat. Um, they're not. They're, it's definitely not in Peacock. It's definitely not in HBO. It's definitely not in Disney Plus. Okay. Let me look at Decider right now. Because also, is Amazing Spider-Man in any of them? No, unless you want um, one of our friends to uh, mail you DVDs, which he did offer last night. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I my favorite Spider-Man movie is um, is Homecoming. My second favorite Spider-Man movie is Spider-Man PS4. Uh, so, like I said, I will say there there's definitely pros and cons. All I think Gwen Stacy was better portrayed in Amazing Spider-Man. She was very much pigeonholed in the original. It was just a friend of Peter's that was in class that he took on a date to make MJ mad. Where she he's had such a, a jerk! Oh my out, goodness, he's much more fleshed out storyline in Amazing Spider-Man. I'll give that, but I I like the particularly the portrayal of the villains because that's what makes these uh, a superhero movie is the villains which um, I just like them a lot more in the originals and that's so, fa- I will con- I will concede that the villains in, in Spider-Man 1 or 2 1 and 2 are better than the villains in Amazing Spider-Man that's not a point that I'm it's also a sort of thing where because they were in there they can't take them so it's almost like <laughs> it's the schoolyard pick it was like well we can't use them so I guess we have to find right. uh, Electro and um was lizard. It rhino and lizard and all this stuff which rhino and lizard are like legit like sinister like they're like yeah. they're, they're legit spider-man villains um let's let's not poo poo on on them but <laughs> um but yeah I, I i will concede that on the whole um the villains are better in the in the raimi spider-man i just i they're so i had so much more fun watching the amazing spider-man movies yeah so, I don't know. They weren't as dirty. I feel like the, the Raimi Spider-Man look very dirty, <laughs> just generally uh, a little bit more grimy. I, I think it's it was still in the era that like uh, superhero movies have to be like based on reality. They got to be like on the street um, instead of making something that looks cool. Uh, there are a lot of cool shots in yeah. making Spider-Man where I looked at Carla and I was like, that looked cool. <laughs> Um, I, w- I just remember people like said that the Tom Holland ones like some of the darker stuff. I'm like, there are some pretty gruesome scenes in, in the Tobey Maguire one yeah. for what it's worth. I was like, they didn't hide a lot of stuff. Like they showed <laughs> Uncle Ben's like open wound when he was like on the street or whatnot. They didn't hide stuff. They did. They did do that. <laughs> so also uh, just a direct shot of Harry when the board went through him. Oh, yeah. Woof. I mean, the Amazing Spider-Man showed uh, Gwen Stacy's head bouncing off. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Bouncing (laughs) off the ground. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Man. All right. Is that it? Are we getting out of here? I think we got all of our feelings out. I think we're good. Um, so as far as next week, oh yeah, Aaron's not here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we do that every time. I know, and I feel, I, I legitimately do feel bad when I do that. Um, he won't be here for the next couple of weeks. 
I'm not sure if we'll be here next week. I'll be around. It's up to yeah. y'all. Post Mary Chrysler activities. Yeah. Um, post the Honda days. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We might be out here next week. We might not. Just watch your feed. You'll see. <laughs> It'll be a surprise. Yes. Uh, I'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye.